ready to study the word this morning. So before we get started, um, I want to share with you a little bit, you know, I, for those of you that read the Torah portions before you come to service, or even when you hear the Torah portion, Hof Torah portion, the Brit Chadashah portion, spoken by um, the men in the morning going over the, the scriptures for the reading of the parasha. Um, you may be getting reading it and you say to yourself, what am I supposed to get out of, what am I really supposed to get out of this? What, what, what is there in these scriptures I should get out of this? Because, you know, as you read it, it's wondering, okay, well, what's the significance here? And so I want to share with you a way to get more out of the scriptures and that is as you read and this will become more clear as we as I teach this morning but as you read in your in your flesh as you and your flesh consists of your body and your soul or your spirit the spirit man portion of your of that and we'll get into that a little bit in a little bit but as you read it what what I'd like you to try is this that as for those of us that believe in Yeshua and have the infilling of the Ruach HaKodesh, which goes along with believing in Yeshua, what I ask you to do is as you read the scriptures, as you literally look at the scriptures and you, you listen to them with your, with your ears and some people read it with your lips along with, with um, hearing it as you read silently, that as you read, allow the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh to amplify those words now as you begin to read you'll be reading and it will look just like the context of what you would read in in scripture but when you hit the point where the words begin to become bold capitalized words where they look like as you're reading they become bold in your in your spiritual eyes is it and and the way that happens is is something clicks in your spirit what I want to encourage you to do is go back and reread that again. Read it over again and see what it says. And then that is the point in which God, I believe God is trying to speak to you to tell you a message out of the parasha that you need to learn for today. And so as, as you go through that uh, each week, I would encourage you as you study, um, if you haven't done it and you do it today, uh, see what comes, comes out as it and it helps to transition from the flesh into the spirit uh, because there's messages, messages there. It's just, um, it's just a way of, of studying the scripture and getting the most out of the parasha that he has for each and every one of us every week on Shabbat. Now today's parasha is entitled Taruma or Contribution. And I'd like us to reread a portion of what we read this morning at the Torah table, and that's at Shemot 25, verses 1 and 2, which says the following. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. Now, this talks about the word, and, and this word that's here, this word portion, has no English equivalent. There isn't an English equivalent for portion that's tied to contribution. It implies, this portion really implies a, a separation 
of a portion of one's resources to be assigned for a higher purpose. Now, the word here also in these scriptures, the word voluntary is key because God wants a motivated heart that is right. And God encourages his people to contribute to God's work with a willing heart and not through begging and pleading. For example, let's look at a willing heart, God's willing heart, where there's not a need to beg or plead. Look at this example as you read John 3.16, which says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now this is a prime example a real demonstration of a contribution, a portion of contribution of a willing heart on God's part. To take a portion of himself and send the Messiah to us to walk on this earth, to experience all the things we experience, to be brought into this world, and then to give up his life through the atonement, atoning blood that's the ultimate sacrifice, to die raise again and then have his Ruach HaKobesh return to this earth as a comforter for all of us so that they could dwell it could dwell with inside each and every one of us. Now turn to Shemot 25 verses 3 through 9 which says this And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair, and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. So... We have a pattern of the tabernacle that's in heaven that was showed to Moshe. Then we have the tabernacle that was built on this earth, a representation of what is in heaven. So we have the separation of heaven and we have the separation of earth. The key phrase here of a sacred place is dwell among them. Let's examine further the dwelling aspect of God as it is communicated to us through the book of Hebrews as it contrasts the words that are spoken in the book of Shemot, Exodus. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, which says this. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have and such high priest, who sat on the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, and minister of the sanctuary, and of the true, and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests to offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make a tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou makest all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. 
But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which is established upon better promises. Now this had to be because of what's spoken in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 7 and 8 which says this. For if that first covenant had been faultless then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them he, saith, he, saith he behold the days come saith the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So we know that Yeshua's kingdom is spiritual. We also know that Yeshua's kingdom, which is what he created, is physical. These two have separate purposes and these two have separate um, uh, reasons for being. And so we see this separation that occurs uh, with heaven and with earth. Now, Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8, which says this. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So at that time, no one had direct access except for now. Now we have direct access through the outpouring on, Sh on Shavuot, the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh. Hebrews 9, 11 and 12, and Hebrews 9, 21 through 28 says this. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ was not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So we see a beginning to bringing together heaven and earth, uh, the spiritual and the physical aspects of, of us. Generally, it had to be fixed uh, from what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve, uh, but then also what happens when the second Adam comes, uh, which is Yeshua who came to fix what was which was uh, destroyed and resulted in, in, um, uh, resulted in punishment uh, or death of our physical bodies because of what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeshua came to fix it and he fixed it from a spiritual aspect. Uh, so we see these two uh, aspects of the, of the spiritual world in heaven and the, and the physical world here, but how do they come together? How do, how do they interact and, and, and how does that all work? Uh, John 1, chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 says this. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, 
the spirit and the water and the blood and these three agree in one now this verse here if you if you go back and look and there's there's 28 New Testament versions that are deemed to be the originals um, and the in the later manuscripts of the New Testament um, have expanded these verses to add in the Father the Word and the Holy Spirit um, uh, and, and it, it's worded a little differently, but it's amplified now in most of the verses that in, mo in most of the versions that are acceptable today to all of us, uh, because it's talking once again about the condition that's in heaven, and then also the condition that is on earth. And so we see these two pieces of heaven and earth being separate, but there's an interaction, and that interaction really occurs with the ruach hakodesh. Now. Getting your head around this, I take you to uh, the time in which Jacob was was in was traveling, and uh, he saw the ladder, the stairs up to heaven, with the angels descending and ascending. How many remember that story? Right? Okay. So you see here where the angels are coming down, listening to what's being said, or sending a message down, and then taking it back. They're messengers. But what's changed now today after Shavuot, after Yeshua left and said he would send his comforter after day of Pentecost, we have the Holy Spirit now which interacts with us, bringing us into direct contact with the things that are of heaven and the things that are of earth. And it's all filtered through, it's all filled up into these bodies that we live in. Our bodies consist of flesh, which includes the physical, the strength. It also includes the fleshly mind. But then we also have the Spirit of God that dwells in this, this body, this tabernacle for those that believe in Yeshua and have been filled with his presence. The spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, provides motion. It provides that motion, the motion that was much like the messengers of the angels that would descend and ascend. There was motion there in between heaven and earth. But the, the Ruach HaKodesh provides a different kind of motion, a motion that we can now interact with between what's happening in heaven and what's happening on earth. And it's through this motion of the Ruach HaKodesh and his voice, and his voice is the essence of this action of Yeshua. When you take the voice of Yeshua, which the words that we read are really the voice of Yeshua. We, we read these scriptures as the voice of Yeshua. This morning, I'll share with you, you know, we go back, the men go back and we pray every week. Every week we pray before service. Today... It was, it was uh, impressed upon me to, to uh, ask who would love to have the honor of praying this morning. And Denny Bornar says, I'll do it. So Denny Bornar started to pray. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to lift up Denny. What I'm saying is, is that Denny's prayer was pure word. There was nothing of him in it. It was all scripture. From the beginning to the end, it was all scripture. And in the combination of the scriptures that the Holy Spirit gave Denny, 
there was a message to all of us for today. So this is a true in indication of how the Holy Spirit moves, provides motion, and then through God's word of Yeshua's word, we receive a message that is for each and every one of us. And that's how it works with all of us where God dwells as his temple. He doesn't have one temple any longer like it was in Jerusalem, like it was in Jerusalem. He now has temples all over where he dwells within each and every one of those that belong to him. And it all started back on day of Pentecost when it fell. There was a change that occurred. A change after God came and fixed the problem that Adam had, had done and caused for the separation between us and God. And he came and fixed it and then poured out his spirit so that it would dwell not only on us on the outside, but permeate inside of us and possess everyone that belongs to him. In the spiritual world, in the spiritual world, that's why you can walk in this world and you as a believer are hated by others. Those that are possessed by demons, they react to the spirit that's inside of each and every one of you. You may not even realize what, why somebody has a problem with you. They have a problem with you because the spirit of God's inside of you and their spirit is, is reacting to that. Because what they're reacting to is if they don't repent, they're gonna see a day of judgment. And they're seeing this light that comes from God that's in our tabernacles that is influencing this world. And I will tell you it's going to get more prevalent as we live through these end days. Because we're going to stand out as a light just like it was when the plagues poured out upon all of Mitzrayim, all of Egypt. Those plagues, they could see in the distance where the, the, the Israelites had light and everyone else was in darkness. This light that's in us, even though we can't see it because it's a different kind of light, in the spirit, those that don't belong to him and the demons and those that are around about us will react to that light. And you just need to understand that. Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was, was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, this word Elohim in the Hebrew is the plurality of God. This plurality of God that we also read in 1 John 5 through 7 and 8, um, it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Ruach Kakodesh, and all three are one. And so we see where the God is encapsulated in Elohim, the plurality of God. He is all echad, he is all one. So if you can understand that the voice of God is Yeshua, now that is why with him being the voice of God and Yeshua coming into this world, I believe that is another reason, another reason why he was to be born of a virgin. Now listen to this. We know why he had to be born in a virgin because of the pure blood that needed to come, not blood from the line of Adam, but blood that had to be pure in order to be a perfect sacrifice. 
But with Yeshua being the voice of God, being the word of God, there's another reason. He had to be a born of a virgin and not with the voice of a man through Adam. We get our voices through our, our lineage back all the way through Adam. That's where our voice comes from. And so he needed a voice that had to be not from the line of Adam, but had to be a voice that came directly from God because he is God and he was speaking out of that body that was made for a sacrifice, that body that was made to be offered up as a sacrifice that he possessed when he was on this earth. Luke 1, 3, Luke 1, 31 through 35 says this. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give, him, give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come unto thee, and the power of the High shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born to thee shall be called the Son of God. Yeshua's flesh, Yeshua's flesh was man because it originated from the egg of the woman. But the, the, the existence, the birthing of this person who emulated Yeshua was all God. This second Adam... His spirit was and his spirit is God. And he was made for a higher purpose. John 1.14 says this. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John uses the word dwelt, which has the idea of pitching a tent or a tabernacle. The tabernacle was the sanctuary of God as described as his dwelling place in Shemot, Exodus 25, verse 8, which says this. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, turn with me to John 14, 16 through 18 and verse 26, which says this. And I will pray the Father and he shall give another comforter, give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The only ones that can recognize the Comforter are those that belong to him. The only one that realizes and hears the Comforter, the Ruach HaKodesh, are those that belong and have accepted Yeshua as their Messiah. Because it is Yeshua. And you recognize him. None of us have seen him, but we know him. None, all of us that belong to him know him. We hear his voice. He is our shepherd. And we hear him through the infilling of his Ruach HaKodesh. He is that voice that helps guide us and comfort us. Just as God resides in a tent in the wilderness, so the Son of God lives in our human bodies of those who believe 
as New Testament tabernacles. This had to be for him to be internal or for God's presence to be internalized within each and every one of us who believe in him. John 16, 7 through 11 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. For it, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and, see, and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the princes of this world is judged. Today our physical bodies serve as a temple dwelling place of the Ruach HaKodesh, his Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says this. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own? For ye, ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In your body and in your spirit. Spirit and flesh, that's what we are. We are both spirit and we're both flesh. And the Holy Spirit dwells with us, inside of us. All three together, we are believers in Yeshua. We heard about Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, how he talks about how the Spirit wrestles against the flesh and back and forth. There's this internal struggle, all of which is, is dealing with the Adam portion and the second Adam portion who gives us guidance and will give us life everlasting. The first Adam leads to death. The second Adam leads to life everlasting for those that belong to him. So how do you glorify God in your spirits? Through following God's instruction, reading his word, praising, praying, worshiping. Now what about your body? How do you glorify God? Because when in the spirit, when you worship God in the spirit, you're moved by the spirit and in, inside and it comes out. But how do you worship with your body? How do you glorify God? Do we do it by works? Do we? Do we do it by works? The answer is yes. Do we? The answer is no. By the fullness of the spirit that dwells within us, our walk witnesses as believers like the tabernacle. Second Peter 1, 13 through 14 says this. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I, as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Carrying his presence with us even to the grave and our inner being it is also to be like the ark was shemot 25 10 through 11 and 16 through 22 says this and they shall make an ark of shittim wood two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof and a cubit and a half the height thereof and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I give to thee. And thou shalt make a mercy of seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two 
cherubim of gold of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat and make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end even the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof and the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on the on high covering the mercy seat with their wings and their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be and thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee and there will I meet with thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel so how is our inner being like the ark we just read this how can our inner being like that well if if you if you're not seeing it as you've just heard it turn with 1 Corinthians 3:10 through 17 which says this according to the grace of god which is given unto me as a wise master builder i have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon for other foundation can no man lay than that it is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try, will try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built upon thereof, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So which temple are you? Are your deeds as a believer in Yeshua the result of of the fullness of the spirit that dwells within you or is it the result of something else like your soul desires or soul desires that are for you personally else if it is for some other reason your efforts are of no avail you're wasting your time Deeds are not to be out of obligation, but out of purpose. Our purpose is to worship Yeshua and only him. And if we worship only God with our whole being, then he will dwell among us. Now, he will not share his glory with no one, no idols and no persons. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18 says this. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He wants to dwell with you, but you have to want to dwell with him. He wants to dwell with you, but you have to want to dwell with him. Hebrews 11.6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And you do so by dying to the flesh, where your fleshly person is less than your spiritual person. Your spiritual person dominates 
the fleshly person. Romans 8, 8 through 14 says this. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He wants to dwell with those who want to worship and dwell with him in spirit. Those who seek his presence. John 4, 23 and 24 says this. But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the Spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So worship him and continue to worship him in spirit to overflowing and in truth through his presence, through his precious, wonderful word. And if you do these things, he will dwell with you, but only if you want him to. And you, as a result, diligently seek after him. Matthew 7, 6 through 8 says this. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. This is why you need to distinguish yourselves, because there is a lot of swine out there in the world today. Especially in these end times, we are subject to all of the swine around about us. Matthew 5, 17 through 20 says this. Think not that I, I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven." Not only teach, but do. Not only teach, but do through your actions. Also do and have the righteousness found through Yeshua that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees. Well, how can that be? Well, we can't in the flesh. We can only achieve righteousness which is a result of salvation, of accepting Yeshua and his atoning blood, and accepting him as our Mashiach, and the resulting infilling of his Ruach HaKodesh, his Holy Spirit, into our mortal bodies. So our bodies cannot glorify God through works, but our bodies glorify God by externalizing what is on the inside of us through 
Taruma, through our portion of contribution. It is deeds coming from your spirit. It's deeds coming from your hearts that glorify God in your body. So whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name, do all in the nature of Yeshua HaMashiach, giving thanks to God always, remembering these words in Ephesians chapter 2, 20 through 22, which says this. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And that word habitation means a dwelling place for God. So today I ask in closing that you consider sharing the portion of your own self that is set aside for a higher purpose to glorify Yeshua through your spirit and through your body as the tabernacle of the living God. Amen. It is our duty to praise the master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation. For he's made us unlike the nations of the land and has not placed our like the families of the earth. He's not made our portion like theirs or our lot like their multitudes. And we bend in the knee and bow and acknowledge our thanks before the king over kings, the holy one, blessed be he. He stretches out heaven and establishes earth foundation and the seat of his glories in the heavens above and the presence of his power is in the most exalted heights. He is our God, there is none other. True is our king, there is nothing beside him as it is written in his Torah. And you shall know this day and take to your heart that the Lord, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is none other. Amen. Amen, amen. Let us stand together.